Lord gave his life on Calvary. What an awful thing he had to do because of awful people like me and you. Amen. I'm so glad that I have been to Calvary. That song was my mother's song. Uh, she sang that ever since I was just a little bitty boy. Uh, I grew up in the 60s and 70s at North Acres Baptist Church where my grandfather, Reverend Ed Spencer, was a pastor. And uh, my mother was called upon to sing that song nearly every service. Somebody would say, Sue, would you sing? I've been to Calvary. And she would just pop up wherever she was sitting and sing it from right there in the pew. And uh, it made such an impact on my little young life that I thought about that song and uh, my mother's testimony throughout that. Yeah. Well, I do have a message this morning the Lord has given me to preach, and it may seem like a funeral message to you. And I, I assure you it is not. But if you have your copy of God's Word, if you turn to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, and I want to look at verses 4 through 9 this morning, Lord willing. Uh, I forgot to turn the microphone on. I'll do that real quick. Sorry about that. Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 4 through 9. I'd like to ask if you're able to stand. Would you please stand for reading God's Word this morning? Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 4. And here the Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for the reading of your word this morning. Thank you for the service for those that sang this morning. And uh, with the spirit that we can feel, God, that is so real. God, I'm asking now to keep me hidden. And may you be seen and revealed in this message today. God, help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you be seated. If you underline things in your Bible, please underline that phrase there in verse 7, which says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. And that is what we've titled the message this morning directly from the text. The peace, which passeth all understanding. Now, one thing about the Apostle Paul, if you've heard me preach any at all, you know that I'm a, I'm a great admirer of the Apostle Paul. I believe him to be uh, probably the greatest New Testament preacher other than the Lord Jesus. Uh, him and, of course, the Apostle Peter, uh, God chose to, uh, to uh, teach uh, doctrine to the New Testament church. But Paul, uh, in all of his humility, despite... All of the accolades that Paul had and all the popularity and, of course, even the detractors that he had from him and his great knowledge and education and bringing up, uh, Paul had great humility, and it, and it showed in his letters. He pinned this particular letter down to the church that I believe that he loved the most, uh, the church at Philippi. Uh, the Philippian church, he wrote this letter to actually from within a prison cell. This is one of Paul's 
prison epistles, as they're called. But, you know, he does not even mention the fact that he's in prison until he gets to about verse 12 of chapter 1. He begins chapter 1 by, by exhorting the brethren at the church at Philippi. Uh, now, in most people's circumstances, for, for instance, if it was me in prison somewhere, and we all know how Paul was often treated before he was in prison. Uh, he was often beaten with many stripes and uh, uh, humiliated in, in many ways. But if, like most people, like even I believe, including myself, if I was writing a letter to the church that I was uh, supposedly their, you know, pastor or their their evangelist, I would start out by saying something like this: "Dear church, I am sitting in the most disgusting place you've ever been to in your life. I've been mistreated. I feel terrible. I am sick." I'm hungry, I'm dirty, I'm sore, and I'm miserable. I feel like I've been forgotten and forsaken, and I wish I could close my eyes and wake up and this would all just have been a bad dream. But Paul did not say that. Paul actually starts the letter out by encouraging them and thanking God that he's allowed him to know them. What is wrong with Paul? There is nothing wrong with Paul. What's wrong is within us. You see, Paul was filled full of joy. In fact, the whole book of Philippians is centered upon re rejoice, joy. That's what it's known for is the book of J-O-Y, joy. Joy in suffering, joy in serving, and joy in believing and also giving. All those things Paul covers in this one small letter to the church. And he ends it by encouraging the church to rejoice in the Lord and to dwell in the wonderful things that God has allowed them to have. So we all know that the meaning of the book, of course, is, is joy. But look at verse uh, 6 there in our text. Verse 6, Philippians 4 and 6. He says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let the request be made known unto God. Uh, one of the things that we deal with a lot, especially in the day and age that we live in, is that we have a lot of what we like to call worry. Uh, my wife and I oftentimes sing that song, I won't have to worry anymore. Uh, it's just a natural thing for us as human beings and flesh and blood to, to worry about things. Now the sad thing is we worry about things that are out of our control. <laughs> you know, and things that uh, we couldn't change even if we wanted to, but yet we sit around worried, get sick over it, have to take medicine for it, you name it. We get uh, all tore up over things, circumstances in life that we can't control, and we start worrying about it. Well, Paul here, he starts out by saying, be careful for nothing. That word right there, careful, doesn't mean take caution. What it means is be full of care. Care. Full. And so Paul's saying, be full of care for nothing. And that's a hard thing for us to do because we're natural worriers. Uh, as a pastor, I'm often privy to things that uh, other people are not privy to. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. A blessing because I'm able to pray for folks when they confide in me their, their troubles. But uh, also a curse because I know their troubles. <laughs> And so it's a burden a lot of times to know some things because a lot of people may be in a desperate situation and uh, they can find me that, that information and, uh, and, and it does worry you, it burdens you down. Uh, but over the years I have preached many funerals. This is why I said that uh, you may think this is a funeral message, but it's not. 
But I preach many funerals. It's so many so uh, now that I can't even keep up with them. I don't remember how many it's been. Uh, one of the former churches that I pastored, it seemed I took over a nursing home when I went there. And uh, as we were there for those years, many of the folks passed on. And so I've, I've been to a lot of funerals, preached a lot of funerals, uh, and a lot of tragic things in people's lives. Uh, these days that we live in, cancer is the, is the dominant factor for most, most people's deaths these days. I know in my family that's what it is. Everyone in my family that has died has died from cancer. Uh, well, barring my mother, she did have cancer and was, uh, was treated and got over it, but she died from other means. But uh, I've seen people die from blood clots. Uh, we had a lady that came in, sat on the, the back pew, a uh, faithful member for many, many years. She told me she didn't feel good that night and uh, told her to be praying for her. She went out to eat with another couple of the church. They went to Shoney's to eat, and they got in the car, and she died. Uh, well, she, she got so bad, they took her to the hospital, and she died in the hospital from a blood clot in her leg. And she was not an old woman. She was a younger woman. And so I've seen a lot of problems, uh, heart problems, strokes, uh, bodies just plain worn out. And, you know, these old tents that, uh, that we live in, they, they tear down. But I've seen the best and the worst in people during these times, and I've seen a lot of worry. The truth is, we are all going to go through a trial in life. If you're not going through one right now, or just came out of one, you're about to go in one, probably. You know, whether it's a mental trial, a physical trial, or even a spiritual trial, all three of those things are prevalent in the lives of Christians. And, uh, you know, the believers in Philippi, they were not much different than us. They had all these same problems. They were mostly Gentiles, much like us. There, there was no Jewish synagogues in that area of Philippi that we know of. And so many of these people that uh, Paul was writing to, they were Gentiles, and they faced the same kind of trials, both physical and mental and spiritual, all these things. Now, you may at this very moment be experiencing some kind of, of trial in your life. It could be any three of these, mental, physical, or spiritual. I know so many people that are experiencing physical problems right now, trials. These bodies, they deteriorate on a daily basis. You know, in my mind, I still think that I'm 33 years old, but my body tells me, no, sir, you are not. Yeah. Uh, it told me that uh, quite a bit this weekend as I went out trying to do some work outside. Uh, but our eyes fail, uh, our hearing fails. Uh, our hands and feet no longer cooperate the way they used to. Uh, I can't bench press 375 pounds anymore. Uh, so we change over the over the time. And the thing is, every single one of us has an appointment with death. And there's absolutely nothing we can do about it. God has appointed time for each of us. In Hebrews 9 and 27, the Bible says, And it, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So unless the Lord carries His coming and, and, and eventually comes and just takes us all out of here on a cloud of glory, then we're going to close our eyes in death one day. Mm -hmm. Now, how we react to that and how we face these trials that we have in our life, whether we're going to worry ourselves to death or not, all depends on how we react. Now, I'm not trying to, to depress you. You may have thought, well, I'm going to go to church today and get some get some get lifted up and, and some joy and kind of get out of all the problems in life and, and I did too. Just to be frank, I came here hoping expecting to be lifted up and I was. 
I came in and sat down and we started singing those songs of glory. And uh, my, uh, the Lord just knows how to lift us up in those times. And uh, listen, our text is very important. Look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I like Webster's 1928 dictionary. Uh, his definition of peace is this. In a general sense, a state of quiet or tranquility, freedom from disturbance or agitation, applicable to society, to individuals, or to the temper of the minds. Isn't that, isn't that nice to think about that kind of peace? That peace that uh, comes over you in times. Uh, when I think of peaceful thoughts, I usually my mind goes back to when I was a young boy. And uh, when I didn't have any cares or worries, mom and dad took care of me. They fed me. They made sure I had clothes to wear most of the time. And uh, uh, I had shoes most of the time. But uh, I, I, my mind goes back to those days living out in the country. We lived out in uh, uh, Corrington. And uh, always around cow pastures. My grandfather owned all the land around us and raised cows and, and pigs and chickens and goats. And dad did too. So my mind goes back to that. Walking around barefoot, maybe in the spring or summer days, going through the garden, that red clay garden, we'd plow up. Most of my papa would plow up with a mule, and I'd go in behind my bare feet in that dirt, walk around, it felt so good. Getting a drink out of that old water hose, sitting in the tall grass up in the field, looking over the pasture, seeing a house mountain in the background, the creek down below, the train coming down the train track. And I get to stand here all day and tell you about all these peaceful things. And it just kind of gives me a calmness as I think about that stuff. I have now lost both my parents and my older sister to death. My sister Pam, I'm sure none of you knew her. If you did, uh, maybe you did. She used to sing with a, a group called the New Hope Trio. And they went around and sang. She was diagnosed with leukemia in uh, October of 2001. It was so weird. Pam was always the wife of, of the family. She, she was the one that we looked to, you know, when we did things. And we had a big fall cookout at Mom's house out in the front yard. Pam was just sitting there. And she was not uh, talking hardly at all. And I kept asking her, I said, Pam, what's wrong? She said, I just don't feel good. The next day, they took her to the doctor. and She was diagnosed with leukemia. I've never known anybody that had been diagnosed with leukemia. Now, I've known a lot of people with it, but she was only 38 years old. My big sister. Five years of difference between us, four of them or something like that. But she went through many chemotherapy treatments in those 14 months that she lived. She went to Vanderbilt in Nashville and had a bone marrow transplant. That transplant caused her to have graft versus host disease. If you don't know what that is, that's where the new cells come in and they attack your body, thinking that it's an intruder, and it causes you all kinds of problems. You break out in bulls and, and scabs and blisters, your liver fails, your kidneys, everything starts failing when that happens. Pam went through that, and uh, her entire appearance, physical appearance, changed. You would not have known her that she was even the same person. This was my sister. On December 16, 2002, after battling that disease for over a year and two months, her body gave up. 
and she passed on from this life onto the presence of the Lord. She was only 39, leaving behind her husband and two children. And when she died, I became extremely angry. I was very upset. And I looked up to heaven and I, I screamed at God. I said, God, why did you let this happen? Why did you do this? We held her funeral at New Hope Baptist Church. The place was packed. You couldn't have hardly got anybody else in there. And I was sitting in the pew as the funeral service started, and I was still mad, seething inside, blaming God for everything that happened. They started playing music over the sound system. On the very first note, I knew exactly what it was. It was my sister Pam. She was leading the song with the group that she sang with. They had the recording they were playing it over the sound system. If you didn't know Pam, her voice was, she sounded like Karen Carpenter when she sang. She was a wonderful voice. A professional pianist. But that song from the intercom, this is what I heard when the music started. You may be down and feel that God Somehow forgotten that you are faced with circumstances you can't get through. Right now it seems there's no way out and you're going under. But God's proven time and time again He'll take care of you. And he'll do it again. He'll do it again. Just take a look at where you are now and where you've been. Hasn't he always been there for you? He's the same now as then. You may not know how. You may not know when. Yeah. But he'll do it again. That's right. And as I listened to the, I Help thought, me, Lord. Help me, Lord. As I listened to the words of that song, the Lord spoke to me. And He showed me that He was there. He loved me. He loved me. Mm -hmm. And the peace of God that passeth all understanding swept over me. And I was no longer bitter. I was no longer angry. I was no longer yelling at God, but I was thanking Thank you for what He Thank you, Lord. With my dad, things were a little different. Dad had cancer. After several years, I was able to stay with him the last three or four weeks of his life. My work was good enough to me to let me stay home. I would stay with Mom, and we would take care of my dad. He had lymphoma. And he started taking the treatments and he lost his appetite. He didn't eat for two weeks and lost all his hair, lost his strength, lost his ability to do hardly anything. And it's a very strange thing to carry your father around from his, from his bed to a wheelchair to a couch to lay him down to watch him lay there as a little baby in, in the last times of his life. I remember laying on the couch watching him the night before he died. He was in the dark. 
you like to have the TV on, you'd turn on something like Fox News and he'd have this loud and you couldn't hardly stand it. And he was sitting there in the living room and he wasn't really watching it, his head was down. And I was laying on the couch trying to get rest and I looked across there and all I could see was the side of his face, kind of in the shadows, as the light on the TV was kind of flashing, it would shine his face. And he was looking down and he was just kind of doing like this right here and mumbling something. And I was praying to the Lord and said, Lord, please, Lord, either, either heal him or give it to me. Do something. Help my dad. And the next night he passed away. He passed away there in his bed beside my mom. I was just in the other room. I walked in there. And there dad was finally at peace. But you know, at the, in the times of his cancer, I would go over his house and talk with him. He never complained about anything. He would talk about the Lord. He would tell me about how great heaven's going to be. Oh, it was just wonderful. But he had the peace that passeth all understanding. And when he passed away, I was thankful to the Lord for how he had taken him. And now he was finally at peace. And of course, you all know about my mother. I'm not going to go into details about that, how she suffered for the last two years. The Lord took her. Now, I miss her, but I am thankful that she's with God now. But the truth is, we and the entire world are all searching for peace in our lives. Even if the world don't even realize what they're looking for, they are looking for some kind of peace. And they're looking for it in all the wrong places. Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but one of the titles given to the Lord Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Looking for peace in other places is not, never going to give you true peace. You may find a minute, a minute of uh, you know, a joy or, or a time of, of gladness or temporary happiness, but you'll never find true peace and true joy until you look for it in the right place. And the right place is through the Prince of Peace. Jesus, the Prince. The Prince, of course, is a son born of a king. And Jesus was born of a king and is called a Prince, and also he's made king. But as the Prince of Peace, he came to bring peace to the entire world, to all men, so that all of us could be reconciled to God. That's what the peace of God is, reconciliation with God. Because before you're saved, you're at, at enmity with God. You're His enemy. We're battling God before we're saved. And when we get saved, we have peace. We've been made uh, reconciled to Him. Now, there's a very interesting passage of Scripture in Ephesians 2. 11 through 22. And again, another letter by the Apostle Paul, Ephesians 2. Verse 11 says, Wherefore remember that ye being in the time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision, in the flesh made by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, 
and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That, that's much like the world that we live in today. Uh, the majority of the world is just exactly like the Apostle Paul is written here. Verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Listen to this, verse 14, For he is our peace, yes. who has made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were not. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Ever built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. And all through there, of course, we see that, that uh, God has brought peace between the Jew and the Gentile. That's what Paul's referring to. And uh, that enmity that was between them. But also, he said, the enmity they had with, with God. And so that, that wall has been broken down. We're no longer enemies of his. And one of the things that we have that comes with our salvation is the ability to have that peace of God that passeth all understanding. The lost people don't have that luxury. I call it luxury because it is. It's something that we didn't deserve, but God gave it to us. By his grace, he gave us this Luxury of having the peace of God. And uh, Paul writes in Romans 5 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you may be thinking, well, this is all well and good, Brother Byron. But how exactly do I obtain this peace of God that passes all understanding? Well, first of all, we've already explained you must be saved. Mm -hmm. You're never going to see the peace of God that passes all understanding if you're lost. It just can't happen. And so that's the first thing that you must do. But here's some things you cannot do to receive the peace of God that passeth all understanding. You cannot obtain this peace by doing some kind of mind trick. Some kind of mind exercises. There's a lot of this going around today. You may not be aware of this, but a lot of younger people are getting into Buddhism. They're getting into a lot of things like that. Uh, they want to reach the state of Zen or Mushin. And that is the, the, the feeling of, of the mind. It's the mind without the mind. The state of no mindness. I'll give one thing. They've got no mind if they believe in that. Mm -hmm. But they're getting into all of these things. Trying to meditate and reach the state of sin. You're not going to ever reach it, friend. Not that way. You cannot obtain this peace through some kind of religious routine. Or thinking that you can be good enough that God's just going to all of a sudden grant you this kind of peace. You're never going to be good enough. None of us will. There's none good. No, not one. And so you cannot obtain this peace through psychology or a psychiatrist or uh, going to a fortune teller or somebody, a soothsayer or nothing like that. You're never going to find that. And no peace that passes all understanding will ever be found in a Jedi mind trip. Mm -hmm. Young Skywalker. Have you ever heard this phrase, just let go and let God? Mm -hmm. Friends, if you want to find the peace of God that passes all understanding, you've got to just let go and let God. Mm -hmm. Let go of you thinking that you can
can obtain this or achieve this or you can make it happen. You can't do it. You've got to let it go and let God. That's what we've got to do. Let go of our belief that we're in control, that we can control our circumstances and even our future. A lot of people think they control everything. You cannot. Let go of that religious routine that you're doing that think, you think you're going to Going to bring you peace. And I'm not talking, I'm not going against, uh, you know, having religious things. I, I love tradition things and I love all the things about church and all that. Don't rely upon those routines, those religious practices and things like that to give you this kind of peace because it's not going to get it to you. What you got to do is let go, let God submit yourself to the Lord. Confess to him that, God, I can't do this. I can't give myself peace. All I can do is sit around and worry about everything. And I'm quite frankly tired of it, God. I'm just got to hand it over to you and let you take care of it. That's, right. That's what he's waiting for. Mm -hmm. He's waiting for your obedience, for you to get yourself out of the way and put him right there in your presence. Mm -hmm. That's what God wants from you. So what do we do? We let go and let God. The first Peter 5 and 7 says it like this. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Mm -hmm. So the next time you get all down and, and worried and, and tore up over something that you can't control, something that's out of your power, you, you can't do anything about, let go and let God. Cast all your cares upon him. Say, God, you said me to cast these cares upon you because you care for me. Mm -hmm. They're yours. They're yours, God. Mm -hmm. I can't change it. I can't do anything about it. You God to take it in front of me. Carry it before me. Listen to what Jesus says. The Prince of Peace himself. In Matthew 11 and 28 through 30. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest under your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Aren't you glad of that? We don't have to carry around all these problems and worries and baggage like an old ball and chain. You've seen those old, old shows of the prisoners got the chain with the ball around and dragging around. That's what we are. Mm -hmm. That worry that we drag around with us. All the, mm -hmm. the, the, the stuff that occupies our mind constantly. We need to let go of that. Cut that chain off. And once we do this, once we let go and let God, look at the last two verses back in our opening text, Philippians 4, 8 through 9. We'll be finished. Philippians 4, 8 through 9. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which you've both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Do you see that? The Lord tells us how we get the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Quit thinking about all your troubles. Quit thinking about all your worries. Quit thinking about those things you can't do anything and give those to me. And you think on this other stuff. Oh, what does he say there? Those things that are pure, lovely, all those folks. That just makes me feel good just thinking about it. If we'll just think on those things, you may be here right now in this very place and there you have no peace in your life. 
Maybe it is a physical problem. Maybe it's a mental problem. Maybe it's a, a, a financial problem. I don't know what your problem is that you're all worried about. But I can tell you this. If it's something that you can't do anything about, you don't have any control over it, quit worrying over it, let go of it, and let God have it. Give it to Him. And think of those things that are loving. Turn loose of that thing that you're clinging to. It's keeping you burned, stressed out. It's keeping you from, from walking a Christian life the way the Lord wants you to. It's affecting other people around you by holding on to it. So let go. And let God have it. And you can have the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Brother Scott, if you come get a song, I'd like for us to please stand and, and I want to pray. And if you have a need today, if you need to come down to the altar and pray for any reason, if you want me to pray with you, if you want to just come down and pray, maybe you've got one of these problems that you're worried with and burdened down with. Would, you, would this be the day you would let it go and, and let God have it? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning and we're thanking you for the truth in your word. God, you've told us these things. For our own benefit. God, we, we're so thankful for it. But God, you know that we're nothing but flesh and bone. God, we're, we're weak, God. And, and we often take these things and worry over them and, and keep them harbored up in our, in our hearts and our thoughts. And God, we know you, you know the recesses of our minds and our hearts. And God, if we'll just give them over to you, Lord, let, it, let us let go of them. Lord, show us how. Just let them go and, and hand them over to you. God, you said that that you care for us and we should cast our cares upon you. That's what we want to do this very day. Help us, Lord. If there's one in here today that needs help, God, would you convict their heart, show them the need to make things right today. God, if there's one listening to this by some other means, whether it's on Facebook, YouTube, or wherever it may be broadcast now or in the future, God, if that one that is that's just so wrapped up and, and tore up in, in all their worries and cares, God, if they don't know you as a Savior, God, would you convict their heart? Show them the need to be saved before it's too late. God, help us, Lord. Help us. We can't do it without you. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Go ahead, brother. If you need help, you come down. Amen. Come here in 65. Kneel at the cross.